right? Those that are, you know, sitting on the sidelines, you know, anticipating a more drastic change or shift in the market are not going to see it. People are going to hold on to their houses. I get it. The Toronto real estate market is confusing. Whether you're a new or experienced investor or just looking for a home to raise your family in, join us at Broadview Table Talks as you sit around the table with my friends and talk about real estate and the ever-changing market in Toronto. Welcome to another edition of Broadview Table Talks. Today we got an all-star mortgage broker, Raki Dengra. She runs the Mortgage Savvy team. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Ken. All right, all right. And uh, Mark obviously is joining us as well too from the team. So today we're going to be talking about everything to do with mortgages and everything to do with what's happening in the market. What are you seeing in the market? That was your question when you first came in. <laughs> so mortgages seem to be top of mind for anybody that's currently looking to get into the market or anybody that's currently holding a, a mortgage as well. We've seen rates rise and this seems to be top of mind for lots of households as this has potentially increased you know, their monthly spend and affected their affordability on a month-to-month basis. So from March till now, the mm-hmm. Bank Canada has aggressively raised interest rates, the overnight rates, and that's only for the variable mortgages, right? For fixed mortgages, banks are also kind of following suit with that as well too, Absolutely. right? With the five-year bond rate. And right now we're July 20th. Mm-hmm. So what's happening? <laughs> so we've seen <laughs> rates increase and those that are in a variable rate product have immediately seen an increase to their monthly payments. Those that are, however, in a static payment under a variable rate product have not seen a change to date. We are anticipating a change as lenders reach out to their clients and ensure that they're making up that added interest payment. But those that have that are currently in a variable rate interest rate product are seeing an immediate change to their net rate that they're paying on their mortgage. Right. So what you're saying is that if it hits a trigger rate, which is if the interest rate, uh, if you're paying more because the interest rates are too high and you're you're not meeting your obligations by your current payment rate. So what, what Racky's saying is that your payments are static. Correct. They're fixed. It just means you're paying more towards interest as opposed to principal, which means it takes longer to do it because every in Canada, we renew every five years. Right. Um, So for those up to renewal, you're going to be at the new higher rates and, and higher payments. Absolutely. Or those so, people on Scotiabank rates, except for the three-year, right? Except for the three-year, okay, correct. Awesome. So those that are in that static payment are not necessarily seeing an increase immediately, but it's important that you kind of get proactive and understand what your net rate is and what that impact is going to be as they have to establish a new rate on, on renewal. On how long it's going to pay. So just for some context, what are we talking about in terms of the average payment? Like what are people seeing? And like in how terms much of a change, it's yeah. about a $50 increase per 100000 right now. For in each Exactly. rate increase, but this is a 1%. Uh, this is a 1%, basis. exactly. Yeah. So CMHC actually just recently did a forecast where they kind of did an assessment on worst case scenario. We're definitely with the most recent um, aggressive 100 basis point increase to the overnight lending rate. We're now sitting within that neutral range of what was indicated as 4.2 to 5.2 and Prime is currently sitting at 4.7. So we're definitely in that range. So we did see the Bank of Canada kind of take that aggressive step to kind of increase rates and we're definitely in that range. But should we see, you know, worst case scenario and other, an additional sort of, let's say, 100 basis point increase to the overnight lending rate, taking us to 3.5, that's going to be an additional sort of, let's say, on a $500,000 mortgage fund, an extra 275 per month. Oof. So that could be pretty hefty, right? But I mean, as I understood it, like this rate hike that they just did mm-hmm. was front loaded. So they kind of went a little bit ahead further to kind of cut inflation ahead of time and see they what the did. impact it would have, right? So we might see not as aggressive. Well, like who nobody knows really. Nobody but. knows. It was you know we were anticipating an increase. I think many people were taken by surprise at how aggressive the rate 
increase actually was. So I think it's important to be prepared for worst case scenario, ensure that you're, you know, looking at your monthly sort of spend, cutting back, maybe not a steak dinner every night. You know, when we were qualifying individuals for a mortgage, we were very cognizant of the fact that we are using the stress test. So it's important that clients are prepared and ensuring that they're just being mindful of their spend as, you know, the rates that we did see during, you know, 2020-21 were not realistic rates in terms of we knew that rates were inevitably going to go up. And I think it's important that people take a proactive approach to their spend. Right. So that's what the government tried to design. I think they, they, they tried to get, they try trying to control inflation by having people spend less. So no more mm-hmm. steak dinners, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so cut back. yeah, it's hard <laughs> to go back. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to cut everybody's spending so that inflation doesn't get out of control because everything, as you see, mm-hmm. is just increasing in price. Gas prices are insane. Yep. Everything's insane. Grocery bills have doubled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yep. So like they're trying to control that. So trying to rein in all the spending. That's what people, okay. So now we just talked about people that have existing mortgages. Mm-hmm. What about people that are trying to get into the market? What do you see there? Would you recommend variable or are you looking more towards fixed? It really depends on the client's specific set of circumstances. I think if we look at the last 30 years and we've looked at periods of time where we've seen rates increase and we've seen quite aggressive rate increases, um, most recently, rates have inevitably come down as well. So I'm very much an advocate of the variable rate product where it makes sense based on the client's obviously affordability um, and their, how <laughs> you know, in terms of their risk assessment as well. I think that, you know, is important as part of sort of that conversation when we engage with clients. But those that are looking at a fixed rate product, we also want to ensure that we have flexibility should rates come down, that they can potentially exit that you know mortgage contract and take advantage of that lower rate environment should we see that down the line. Uh, you know, what we are seeing is that, you know, to counter inflation, we're seeing higher interest rates, but that usually also signals a potential recession. And with that, rates generally come down. So right. there may be opportunity down the line. And, you know, speaking to Ken's question with respect to first-time home buyers, we're seeing a little bit of an adjustment in the market in terms of market pricing. This is great opportunity opportunity for first-time home buyers or investors, or investors, investors right and, investors. and investors i think more so we've all seen the frenzy in the health, in the rental market at present this is a great opportunity if i speak to sort of my personal experience in 2008 is when i bought my first property right and i did the opposite of what everybody else was doing and i i am a firm believer that millionaires are made at times of recession, you really need to educate yourself, ensure that you're not listening to what you're hearing oh, yeah. um, in the media. Often, you know, they say, often we'll say, you know, who are they? It's important to kind of gather the facts, align yourself with professionals, assess your particular set of circumstances. This can be an excellent time for first time home buyers to enter the market. When we did see that interest rate increase as early as, you know, just last week, that was a great time for people to go out there and see what was on the market and place an offer because those that were uncertain on whether or not, you know, they'd be able to potentially sort of sell a property before a closing date on an upcoming purchase, were able to secure an excellent purchase price. So there's opportunity in the market and it's important that we educate our clients and give them as much information so that they feel that they're in the driver's seat. Okay. So there's a lot of things to just talk about there. A lot of things. Okay. So first of all, you basically said that, um, if asked between variable and fixed, mm-hmm. it's a hard answer to it's a hard answer to give because it's everybody's situation is different. different. Everybody's risk tolerance is different. Some people want us to have the fixed payments, right? Um, so with variable payments, mm-hmm. I personally like them better because your life is variable. Like if you want to refinance, you're not paying the huge IRD penalties. Uh, right now at a high interest rate, if it drops down, you're paying a huge, huge penalty, penalty next to that, right? Um, if you want to refinance, so if you want to refinance, take some money out. If you want to sell and buy something else, same situation. However, I just learned recently 
that if you're on a fixed uh, mortgage, you can mm-hmm. easily port that over without Absolutely. having to requalify. Mm-hmm. But variable, you still have to requalify. Correct. Which is because variable rates are not variable rate mortgage products are not portable. Right. So I didn't know that until now, which is crazy. Um, so if you have a pretty hefty mortgage and you're trying to, you know, make changes and your income situations have changed or your debt situations have changed, it's going to be harder. So maybe want to consider that for fixed, right? Because fixed, you're not, if, as long as you have a mortgage mm-hmm. and it's going to be the same amount or higher potentially, and you don't have to, if you, if you go higher, you still have to requalify, right? Correct. But if you keep the same fixed mortgage, you can move it to another property. Property, you can port it over. Which is huge. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, another uh, thing to consider as well too when you're, Deciding between the two. What else did we talk about? What else? There's a whole bunch of opportunity in the market. You know? <laughs> Lots of opportunity, especially with prices coming down. As long as, like you said, you you align yourself with, with professionals um, that know what they're talking about, you have lots of opportunity to buy right now. Absolutely, especially those first-time homebuyers that are looking to put that minimal down payment on a purchase, a price adjustment. Let's say, you know, from seven fifty to to maybe six fifty is that you know that's a difference of ten thousand dollars less that they'll need as a down payment. So maybe yeah. that means opportunity to access the market now. However, their qualification might change because the stress test might change their qualifications. So their borrowing power might. But working shrink. with a mortgage broker, we can get creative there, right? So maybe we qualify you under a variable rate mortgage product, meaning because if you're qualifying for a variable, we do have the ability that usually means a net lower rate. So the qualification gives us the ability to expand the mortgage qualification. Yeah. So maybe we do that. And if you're looking at a fixed, you can always move from a variable to a fixed at no cost. Okay. So then you can contact the lender. We set expectations with clients in terms of where the fixed rates are sitting. And right after closing, they can lock in without not, having to requalify. Right. But not fixed to variable. Other way around. You can go, exactly. Yeah, you yeah, can go variable, variable to, to fix. fix. So this is where we can get creative. The other thing that we are seeing is if you're looking to put, you know, if it's a conventional mortgage, 20% or more, lenders are being flexible in terms of being a little bit more open to expanded ratios where we oh, can really? break the box on lending guidelines. Okay. You know, we're seeing clients that have purchased and maybe not sold a property and we're having to revisit the mortgage qualification, giving them a little bit more exposure in the loan so that they can kind of maybe offset any shifts or changes that in, in the market with respect to the sale price of their current property. So we're seeing flexibility. We're, we're definitely seeing our lenders work with us. Of course. The other thing to note, however, is under a variable rate um, sort of mortgage product, there are lenders that do offer that static payment, which can give a first-time home buyer sort of the comfort level of a payment that they're affordable, that feels affordable and secure for them, and still be able to take advantage of like, keeping things affordable, but entering the market today. That's right, because all the big five banks, big six, whatever you call it, uh, mm-hmm. however you qualify them, do offer static payments, including Scotiabank at the three-year rate, right? Yes. So they all offer static variable payments. Not all of them. Not all of them. No. So <laughs> so we have TD and RBC are the two that offer that static payment, and then Scotia under the three-year product. Okay. Awesome. And then... Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah, refinances. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? What's, what's happening there? It's all dried up? Are people still Because re- a lot of investors are refinancing the properties to take equity out, to buy something else, and then requalify again, right, for another investment property. Are you seeing that happening at all? Or so, is it less and less? You know, the trend definitely has been that the wealthy will leverage their assets and and take those funds and leverage them in an opportunity in a market that provides opportunity like the market that we're currently in. So yes, we're definitely seeing that from seasoned investors. Um, those, however, that are looking to, you know, I, I 
kind of use this as, as something that we sway our clients from is that, you know, the Canadian real estate market year over year has, has generally done really well. And our homes are usually our, our strongest asset. But it is important to be mindful and cognizant of not ensure, of ensuring that we're being mindful of the debt that we're also incurring. Oh, and not using sort of the refinance as a strategy to sort of, you know, subsidize our, our, our you know, our, our sort of lifestyle and, and the way we want to live day to day, I think it's important that from a refinance perspective, we want to ensure that we're not counting on the equity that we're building in our homes to to address our debt. So on that end, we're, we're definitely being mindful where it does make sense consolidating debt and rolling that into one payment, keeping things affordable, and then focusing our clients' attention on, on really addressing their mortgage debt load um, is important. But um, for the moment, we are also seeing investors come in and, and look at leveraging sort of the equity that they've built towards, you know, opportunities in the market as we start to see, you know, prices start to shift. Right. I mean, that's that's just basically goes, goes down to the basics of rich dad, poor dad, right? Assets mm-hmm. versus liabilities, leveraging your assets to buy more Absolutely. liabilities. But I, that was a great answer. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good answer because you're right. You shouldn't be so leveraged so high. I mean, it depends on your risk tolerance, right? Exactly. Um, so you have to really make money somewhere else you got to work at the end of the day that's what it is right we're forced to work in our society so that we can save and and use those savings towards productive assets in the future and stored energy and stored value so that in the future it'll be easier right because we can't work forever for sure and i think many we go through the exercise with as we onboard clients especially clients that are looking to kind of expand beyond that first property and really have them assess what their monthly spend is Mm-hmm. the income that they're generating and can they truly sort of, you know, afford their lifestyle. And many, when they go through the exercise very quickly realize that they can't. Right. And investing in real estate and other investments as well is important, you know, to kind of subsidize our, our sort of lifestyle goals as well. I know that if I went to work and I just kind of counted on banking, you know, what I bring in alone, that, that my life would, my lifestyle would not be where it is. Like we've had to make smart decisions. And I think that those that have actually been empowered through, you know, doing and learning want to share that information and empower others to do the same. Of course. Of course. That's what we do here. We, uh, yeah, we learn, we have learned all those principles and I'm happy to just share it out there because, you know, everybody deserves to do well, right? Absolutely. So I, again, speaking to, there's opportunity in this market and it's really just educating yourself, understanding where your finances sit and making some small sacrifices for a long-term gain, right? Those that actually benefit need to take a long-term focus. Sometimes we want immediate results and and it's important to take that long-term outlook. That's true. It's all about delayed gratification as Mm -hmm. well too and thinking Mm -hmm. long-term. What are you seeing for people that have bought in, uh, you know, before the hikes, before March, and they're starting to close now, and the appraisal values aren't coming in, or maybe they bought something and they can't sell their properties, you know, and they're kind of stuck in this little trap. Have you seen, do you get to see that? You don't get to see foreclosure rates, do you? So on, no, we don't, but on the appraisal side of things, um, we're fortunate enough where we'll we'll do the appraisal the moment the purchase is secured. So regardless of of whether or not we have an approval in hand, you know, as mortgage brokers, we'll use two sort of firms that are generally accepted by by the majority of our lenders. So we want to ensure that we're taking care of that and mitigating that in a shifting market, um, ensuring that we're getting ahead of that, ensuring clients have peace of mind, knowing that we have a appraisal secured. Um, If there is a shortfall, then we get creative with the financing where we can maybe expand the mortgage qualification where we're possible possible um, to be able to kind of bridge that gap where we've needed to. Um, 
We have definitely seen a shift in the market. Properties are definitely sitting on market a little bit longer than they have in the past. And I think though, again, we need to step back and realize that what we're seeing now is a little bit more realistic. Those bidding wars were were quite overwhelming and, and sort of the appreciation we were seeing in terms of market pricing was also not sustainable. So yes, it means going back to the drawing board, rerunning numbers, establishing a threshold with clients in terms of where they need to sell at a minimum. And then also focusing on working with our, you know, realtor partners to establish a strategy. So we've definitely, you know, had to get creative with our with our approaches. But as mortgage brokers, having access to multiple lenders gives us the ability to come up with sort of creative solutions where we need to. I think it's uh, getting creative right now is is certainly important in a market like today. And I don't think it's going to be shifting like. I, I just think it's a temporary hold, personally. Personally, my, my I thing. agree. I because agree. Because the fundamentals are still pushing up. Their supply is low, and developers aren't building because it costs no, too much. The and cost nobody's of, buying them, right? The cost absolutely. of construction is going up, right? And absolutely, we're going to see. And we're, we already have supply issues. We we know that, and we'll continue to see that as we see less sort of builds as well as the cost of sort of producing those homes increases as well. So we definitely have a supply issue. I think with CMHC's most recent forecast, um, Bloomberg did an article where if we did see another sort of 100 basis point increase to rates. Overall, it's expected that we're going to see an overall market adjustment of 5%. Okay. And a lot of people will say that's probably a lot lower than they've imagined. And I think that is just really to speak to the realities, right? Those that are, you know, sitting on the sidelines, you know, anticipating a more drastic change or shift in the market are not going to see it. People are going to hold on to their houses. They don't have static payments, things like that. Like it's not going to affect them that much. Renewals maybe, okay, fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, We've seen um, year-over-year price increases from June at mm-hmm. 5.3%, something mm-hmm. like that, increased in June from this this time mm-hmm. last year. Month-to-month, yeah, sure, it's gone down a bit, but it's hard to track the seasonality because in the summer months, everybody's on vacation, there's not as many listings and not as many buyers, and so that ratio kind of gets all messed up. But ultimately, the number of sales have dropped by 42% year-over-year mm-hmm. year in June, mm-hmm. right? So I, I just, I don't know that the crash is going to be here, that what people are expecting, Oh, look at the amount that are that they're are delisting and terminating the relistings because they're just going to hold on to it. They're not going to sell at such a low price. They'll just do that and they'll wait for the market to correct itself, which it will eventually. Yeah, and we're saved by the rental market as well too, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. right now, the rental market is on fire. Our last podcast was about that. Yeah. It was about bidding wars on rentals. As soon as you have a listing out there, you get five, six offers Absolutely. on the every single so listing. Unseen. That's right. Not even going to look at it. People paying a year up front or whatever, offering oh, yeah. extra deposits, things that aren't actually legal, but they're still doing it just in order to secure the secure place. Secure the property. You know, <laughs> and it, it's been it's been overwhelming um, to deal with these offers because you got to look at everyone carefully and give everybody the opportunity. But there's only one property to lease out, right? So what are you gonna do? So anyway, that I think will bring people back into the I market. Agree. And for those that have to sell, maybe there's a creative way that they can hold on to potentially both properties or another property that they have and just lease it out instead. Correct. And then just weather the storm a little bit. And the increased rental rates kind of offset offset the, the increase are. in payments are absolutely and those are you know that are sitting with a fixed rate mortgage currently that's just added sort of um income that they can then you know generate and maybe utilize towards offsetting the increase on on the new purchase in terms of the higher rates right so there's there's definitely opportunity in in this market and i think that's what we need to speak to i think that's the reality of of the current market that it offers buyers an opportunity to pay less for a property today than they would have had to even a few months ago and i think that's what we really need to signal to 
through, we've been stress testing clients for years. So we know clients can afford a mortgage at 5%. I know those numbers are not what we're used to hearing, but you know, clients that I, you know, I know I bought a property back in 2018 where my interest rate on that mortgage was, was 4.8%. So I think we just need to have a very real conversation with our clients, provide them, you know, an education on where rates were sitting in comparison to where they're sitting now, what that monthly cost is, and really kind of look at their monthly sort of lifestyle and see if there's an ability to help them get into that market today and versus paying rent, you know, pay your mortgage, secure an asset that's going to appreciate. Yeah. Cause I always say the rental rate on, I mean, the interest Mm. rate on a rental is a hundred percent. Like you're going to pay a hundred percent of your rent towards interest, right? At the end Mm -hmm. of the day. So I I think for sure it makes sense to buy. Like it, it doesn't make sense to not buy, right? To rent, there's people that can't get into the buying market. They have to rent because essentially, unless you can live in your parents' basement, you're going to need somewhere to live mm-hmm. no matter what, right? Unless you shack up with people. And that is a problem in our city um, that's growing fast and, 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 and growing in population really quickly. So I don't know if you saw in the article, uh, in a Toronto Star article a couple days ago where the city's trying to step in now and yeah. force people to keep mm-hmm. the rents uh, in between tenants at the same and control our rent levels, which... Doug Ford stepped in and he said, that's going to stifle the mm. amount of supply. We're already undersupplied. No developer is going to create properties and no one's going to buy properties if we're forced to mm-hmm. like keep it at a certain rate because it just doesn't make sense right? with the escalating costs and everything like that. So we're at a weird imbalance right now. I think it's kind of like an opportun- opportunity market. I shouldn't Absolutely. say imbalance. Absolutely. I right? would agree. Because <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. I don't think anybody has the answer uh, for affordable housing in the world. It's really hard. And just the amount of resources out there just... It doesn't, yeah, I don't know. I don't have the answer. And if anybody can solve it, I'm sure they'll get elected as prime minister easily. So, um, yeah. Anything else for us? Do you have any questions on the real estate side? Mm, I think we've shed some light on it in terms of where we see market pricing, you know, um, going into the future. I think it's important to just kind of shed some light on, on what's realistic and, and those that are waiting on the sidelines, I think just encourage them to come out and get that education and learn. Let me ask you, what are you excited about for investments? Because I know you have a good portfolio as mm-hmm. well, too. Uh, what are you excited about right now? Because everything's down. Crypto's down. Stocks are down. Real estate's down. Mortgages are kind of risky, right? Mm-hmm. So what would you invest in? Real estate. Real estate. It's been, hands down, right? Yeah, hands Definitely. down, without a question. Because essentially, you can weather the storm easily because someone will need to live there if it's a residential, right? Even commercial, if somebody needs to rent it for business purposes, right? So... It's going to be in use. And if you can't buy real estate, you can always buy a REIT. You can always buy into a pool of mm-hmm. real estate funds that buys real estate. Correct. Right? So um, obviously you don't get leverage. You don't get title and things like that. And you also don't get control of the property. You don't get to determine what you're investing in and when to exit, when to enter. You can just exit the stock if you want to or the, the portfolio or the uh, fund. Um, but there's different levels of that, right? Absolutely. So me too. I'm always excited about real estate, Mark. Always. What do you think about <laughs> crypto now? <laughs> I, I stopped looking at my crypto portfolio. I'm, just, I'm trying to hold it long too, but I don't think it's gonna, you know, do anything. Do you think it's time to enter? I think right now, if again opportunity, if if you're gonna do it, do it now. I think there are again, if you you know do your research and speak to people that really know about it, there are some coins that have a lot of potential. But I mean, it it's probably one of the most risky out of anything else that. You could talk about whether it be real estate, stocks, all of that. Everything, everything except for real estate is speculative. Exactly. Your bank, unless it's a dividend paying stock, that's different. But the stocks, you only bank on making money if it goes up in price. Mm-hmm. Crypto, same thing. Real estate, kind of. But then you also get 
the mortgage being paid down in 25 or 30 years, whatever the amortization and is. And I like the idea of having an asset that I can actually touch and see. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I agree. That's right. Or potentially rent if you go to Horseshoe Valley Residence, <laughs> by the way. Message me if you have an interest in that property. But um, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, you can use it. And if you don't use it, you can rent it. Somebody else can use Correct. it. It doesn't have the capital to enter it, right? And all you guys out there are complaining about the financial financialization of real estate, making money on tenants. I get it. It's, it's a very controversial thing. But look, somebody's got to invest that capital and somebody's got to pay for that capital. Unless you have that capital yourself, that's the way it is, unfortunately. And people need a place to live. People need a place to live. That's that's a thing. Like there is always going to be of needs, man. Yeah, there's the, always going to be people that need to rent. So if they're not going to be buying these properties, the investors will buy them and rent them out. So, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. It'd be interesting to get another podcast of food. Because like, food's <laughs> another basic need, right? Food and water. Thankfully, we have water. We take it for granted. Like, we have it available to us, right? Which is really nice in, in our modern society. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to see, like, the priorities of what's more important, you know? But anyway, we're very thankful to be in Canada. Uh, with that, sign out, and uh, thanks for watching. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Rocky. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Add it up.